Whole Hog Sports presents the basketball podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Here's your host, Whole Hog Sports basketball analyst, Scotty Bordelon. Welcome into the basketball podcast of Mid-America. It is April 6th and Arkansas is heavy into roster building mode for the 2023-2024 season. We appreciate you listening in today. I'm Scotty Bordelon of Whole Hog Sports, and I'm happy to be joined, per usual, by Andrew Joseph of Whole Hog Sports and Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And we also have a special guest and a new member of the Whole Hog Sports and Hogs Illustrated team, Ethan Westerman. Uh, before we get into what's been going on with, with Arkansas, I guess since the season ended in Vegas, in the Sweet 16 to UConn, it went on to, I think they they wound up boat racing everybody in the tournament. It wasn't, I think after Arkansas lost to UConn, it was, at least in my eyes and probably Bob's and even Curtis Wilkerson, who I sat next to during all of the tournament games that we traveled to, UConn was just overwhelming and it wasn't a, a shock at all that they just kind of, you know, cruised through the tournament. Uh, before we get into kind of the, the roster movement and whatnot. Uh, Ethan, I'm going to be the teacher that nobody likes on the first day of school and make you stand up and, and introduce yourself and I guess just kind of tell the people, you know, about yourself and, and what your role with us is going to be. Yeah, so, um, like you said, Ethan Westerman, I'm a double grad of the University of Arkansas. I graduated. A humble brag over here. Well, yeah, well, I wish I'd have just done one because, you know, it was a lot of extra work and then you end up just doing one of the two. So, you know, but yeah, I uh, I graduated May 2022 with a degree in journalism um, from Fulbright College and then graduated in the fall. So December 2022 um, from the Walton College with a marketing degree. Um, so I started freelancing for the Democrat Gazette as a junior in um, college. Funny thing, I just wrote a story in a class one time that I didn't think anything of. I just was trying to, you know, get a good grade on my assignment. Turns out my professor sent it in to Chip Souza, who um, editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And about three days later, it was in the paper and I was getting asked to cover high school, high school girls soccer games. So that was my first ever assignment was sitting up in a, Bentonville High School girls soccer game and then um, just slowly Chip started kind of throwing more stuff my way and kind of led to last year um, picking up some Arkansas softball coverage. I really enjoyed that. Um, enjoyed, you know, whenever you're doing uh, college instead of high school, you know, doing stats and stuff like that's a little bit easier. Um, no doubt. <laughs> so I was able to kind of run with that a little bit, um, kind of make it a little bit of what I wanted. And then um, just over time, kind of started getting thrown even more and more. So uh, that developed into this past year covering the um, Arkansas women's basketball team, their season. Um, talk about a dominant team that I was surprised didn't run through their tournament with South Carolina, but that's aside from the point. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I also covered at home football games. Um, I did the visiting locker room report. So I was interviewing, um, you know, all the – there was a stud lineup of visiting coaches that came to Razorback Stadium yeah. this year. So I was like, what a what a first time to ever do football coverage. Um, <laughs> to have Nick Saban in town. Uh, I mean, even on the off, like, you know, your non-conference game, it was Bobby Petrino. So I was like, all right, um, I guess it's just that type of lineup. But anyways, yeah, so that's a lot of what I've been doing. Um, so um, moving forward, going to keep on covering a lot of these women's sports 
on campus. Um, they have a lot of good teams right now, so I'm excited for, um, you know, to see how they do and um, cover some of those programs. And, of course, right now softball is in full swing, no pun intended. So, um, so covering that, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, continue doing things like this and, you know, joining forces with you guys. Yeah, man, we're we're super excited to have you, buddy. And you've been doing really good work for the newspaper. And, I mean, pretty much everything that you've been writing, you know, the last year plus, I guess, has been coming on our site, too. So I think there's some familiarity already with some readers. But pumped to have you, man. And we're, we're definitely going to have you on. It's good. I think it's good to have your voice, too, because you're like you, – you covered all the Arkansas women's basketball games. And we honestly – we don't – we – I don't think we really talked much about the women's basketball team on this podcast, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, we'll, we'll kind of touch on some different things, but it'll be good to, to have that voice too. Um, I guess we'll start with some news from, from last night, the, the latest news with Arkansas's roster. I think it was around seven thirty or eight o'clock. I was at dinner with some buddies and Jalen Graham announced on Twitter that he's going to run it back with Arkansas for a second season. I'm going to admit that I was a little bit caught by surprise by this. I mean, I think just based on the usage and minutes played, uh, I thought he was a prime transfer candidate. And I, I'm i going to be real honest, I had his transfer story ready. So I had to do a little bit of tweaking when he announced that he was coming back. Um, just read off some of the numbers for him. He played 31 games last year, averaged 9.4 minutes, 5 points, 2.3 boards. Played 10 or fewer minutes in 19 games last year, including the last seven. Um, I remember I talked to him in the locker room the day before the UConn game, and he was really excited about the game because it was the first time this season that he was going to have family in attendance to watch him. Uh, you know, Vegas and Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's about five or six hours you know, between those two cities. So he had a lot of family, friends, um, kind of his, his support system was there. So they got to see him play a little bit. Uh, he shot 65.5% from the field, which is really good, but it wasn't like, you know, Jalen was kind of a shots in bulk type of guy. You know, whenever he got into the game, he was he was trying to score now. Like, he was he's pretty wired that way. Um, free throw line was a struggle, I would say, sub 40%. That's, that's not great. Uh, but he had seven points, five boards, a steal, and a block. In Arkansas's three NCAA tournament games, I guess just reaction from from you guys on this. I mean, I already said I was kind of surprised, but where, how do you see him maybe fitting in um, to to what we know about the roster right now for next season? Yeah, I'm like you. I was definitely surprised he came back. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing for Arkansas to get an older guy back. You know, so many of these uh, transfers come in, they play one year, and then they're gone. And it's understandable they want to get on and move on with their you know, you have a shot to play pro ball, whatever level that might be. But, you know, Jalen, he was a really good offensive player. And I know a lot of people, a lot of fans got frustrated why he didn't play more. But um, if he's going in and scoring a basket and giving up two, you know, that's not good. And, um, you know, def you got to play defense at a high level to play consistent minutes for Eric Musselman. And so I think uh, – and he, and he had good rebounding games, but again, it wasn't consistent. So I think to get consistent minutes, he's got to, you know, keep scoring like he has been improved defensively, be, be more committed. He's obviously got the size and the skill set, I think, to play, be a good uh, interior defender, block some shots, alter shots and uh, rebound better. 
And um, they must have had those kind of conversations between he and the coaching staff or else he wouldn't be coming back. They wouldn't want him back. But I think it's it's great that you'll have a big guy, a fifth-year guy, mature guy that's going to have his second year in this system. And he's going to be, you know, if you thought he was motivated last season or this past season, just imagine what it'll be like as a fifth-year guy. So, And he wouldn't be back. I don't think he'd be coming back if he didn't think – if he wasn't totally bought in. So I think, I think it's a good thing for him and for Arkansas. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys touched on it a little bit. Obviously, his his offensive talent is good enough to play anywhere in the country, but it's kind of negated by his uh, liability on the defensive end. And I think it's not often you get a guy who transferred from a Power Five school where he was, I think, all big all Pac twelve uh, honorable mention or something like that, and played twenty five minutes a game there. Comes to Arkansas, plays nine, and uh, decides to stay. And so obviously, I think there was a conversation where. Uh, if he had a conversation with Derek Musselman that if he's going to play at Arkansas, he's got to get better on the defensive end. And I think the potential for him to do that is there. I think he's got the length. He's got the athleticism. I think he probably needs to add weight and get stronger and just, just become more active. And I think uh, it could could really be beneficial for Arkansas if he figures things out on the defensive end. Yeah, I think Jalen's got a good body, good frame, good – like you mentioned, his length is is solid. It's really solid, which I think is part of the reason why Eric was kind of he was kind of frustrated at times this year with with what he showed defensively. And then on the on the defensive glass, um, he can go get offensive boards. I, you know, I think it's just like he's just wired to score. And so he's also kind of by association, he's going to go after, you know, missed shots, you know, maybe a little bit more than um, than misses from from the opponent. But I remember games like Baylor. I mean, he was. He was great on the glass. I think he ended up with seven or nine boards that game. He was the guy that ended up coming in to talk to us, Bob. If you remember that, following the game, just because you know he was he was kind of one of the bright spots that day. He gave him a really big lift off the bench, um, and I was looking at CBB analytics last night, and I threw this into my story late. I think it was after I published it, so I went back in and added this. That website shows that he was forty-two of forty-eight shooting at the rim last year which is you're going to you're going to take that but he was 27 of 49 which is 55% on all other attempts in the lane. I think I'm gonna, I'll throw it to y'all to see what it, kind of the next steps are for him. I think offensively he's just got to grow his game a little bit more like beyond the lane. He made like five shots outside the lane last year. And so he catches the ball at like the the elbows or the free throw line or the short corners or something like that. Like people know that he's going to try to get, you know, into his his bag of tricks around the rim and they don't really have to respect him from, you know, 10, 15 feet out because I would imagine he's on the scouting report somewhere and they see his free throw percentage and they're like, we're going to take our chances with this. Um, so I think he's got to add, a, you know, at least the uh, serviceable jumper. I think that would be a, a great addition for him. I think he took like three threes last year, didn't make one. Um, so I think the the jumper aspect of his game needs to come along. And if you stick with the offensive side too, like he's he's got to turn the turn. He's got to tone the turnovers down like big time. I looked. Um, he was ninth on the team in minutes, but he was fifth in turnovers. And Makai Mitchell played 723 minutes last year, had 33 turnovers. Jalen had. 35 turnovers in 291 minutes. So he's, I think his, his decision-making with the ball has got to be better. Um, and then defensively, I think just it's, it's individual defense. Like you got to become a better one-on-one -on -one player. I think if you want to stick on the floor with Eric, and then I think the defensive rebounding 
uh, that that's really got to improve because he he showed some I think signs of life at least for like maybe a four or five game stretch this year where he was blocking you know a shot or two maybe three uh, in some games. Just what what are y'all's thoughts on maybe what can you know take Jalen's game to the next level? Yeah, Gary, I forgot about all those turnovers, but that's something. And maybe if he just, you know, better focus, better concentration, just be stronger with the ball and maybe, you know, make a decision faster. You know, I'm going to, I'm either going to pass it out or I'm going to take it to the hole. And you're right. If he could develop, he doesn't need to be, you know, Steph Curry, but if he could uh, keep him honest out there where he gets the ball, you know, 10, 12 feet out and they might have to come up on him, you know, instead of, of laying back and protecting the lane. I mean, free throws, you know, I feel like a big guy like that. It's going to get fouled a lot if he plays more minutes and he's got to be able to shoot, you know, 60%. You don't have to shoot 75, but, um, you know, he, he obviously can't shoot 40. Well, he can, but that wouldn't be good. I think you got to improve it at least to a split on average, the line, right? Like that would, that would probably be pretty beneficial. Um, moving on from Jalen, I think the biggest news to date roster wise this offseason was Trevor Brazil announcing late last week that he was going to come back. He he put a uh, post on his social media accounts, kind of like Jalen did. Um, I think there was some thought that Trevin might at least try out the draft process because he did – I mean, he, got a, he made a name for himself early in the year, and I think that dunk of the year – I think hands down dunk of the year. Like, I, I've never seen a dunk like that in person. I mean, he – it, we talked about it a long time ago, but the the coil back on the the dunk that was he sent the, that kid to the core of the earth. But he really made a name for himself. I think on Maui too, he played really really well. Um, obviously, a guy that you know. I talked to Eric last week. I shot him a text and was like, "Hey, do you have a comment that you could pass along?" And like thirty seconds later, he's calling me. He is ecstatic about TB coming back. He says, "You know, they're going to try to build a lot of what they do offensively around him," which I think we can. I'll agree. So long as he's healthy, that's probably a pretty good idea. Um, he said that TB is one of the more talented, unique players in the college game. So there's, I think there's a lot to be excited about with him. I guess what intrigues y'all most about just the potential of, of TB, I don't want to maybe say that he's going to be like the cornerstone of what they do, but I think he is a huge foundational piece, um, at, at least in, in that front court, maybe a guy that Obviously, you're going to run a lot of things through next season. And then, you know, that's just on the offensive end defensively. And I think he had a pretty solid block rate when he was on the floor last year. Yeah, like you say, or Eric says, such a unique player. Um, you know, he can shoot the perimeter. To me, he's Daniel Gaffer with a jump shot. Um, so he can run the floor like Daniel. He can rebound like Daniel. He can block shots like Daniel. But he's a, he's a good jump shooter. I think he shot around – and I know it was a small sample size, but I think he shot around 37 38% on threes. And you can tell he's really motivated. Uh, it seems to be ahead of schedule on this rehab. And so hopefully he could be be ready to go, you know, when the season opens in, in November or, or shortly after that and, and be in a good spot. But, yeah, I don't doubt an, an NBA team would have taken a chance on a guy coming off an ACL. But I think, you know, if he comes back and has the kind of season we think he will, he'll be a high first-round pick and he'll make a lot of money. I'd agree. You yeah. Know? And so I think he's making a good call. And you really saw at the end of his his freshman year at Missouri, he really played well in the SEC tournament. Then he was playing great for Arkansas. I mean, you know, watching San Diego State in the Final Four, I remember thinking how well uh, Trevin played against those guys in Maui. You mentioned Maui. So I think he's just got an incredibly high upside. 
And he, I think, you know, hopefully he gets back healthy and stays healthy. And I think if he does, he'll be one of the most exciting players in the country. Before I forget, uh, last week, Ethan, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. Arkansas's women's basketball team, I think, at least from your perspective and maybe Mike Neighbors' perspective, got caught maybe a little bit by surprise. Aaron Barnum decided to to go into the transfer portal. You got you got anything on that? Kind of maybe the kind of season that she had. Yeah, I think it definitely did shock um, most people because, I mean, she didn't participate in senior day this year because her and Michaela Daniels, the other senior who had that extra COVID year, were both like, yeah, we there's no need to right now because we're going to be doing it next year. So, But her minutes did kind of start to dwindle a little bit more toward the end of the year. She just wasn't looking as – about mid-season, she was really confident, and um, she was an all-SEC second-team selection because of how good of a – really that middle part of the season was for her. She scored 37 on Ole Miss. Um made like three threes that game as a forward. Um, so I I think just towards the end of the year, um, I don't know if it's a writing on the wall type of deal with a talented incoming class and, you know, um, really what kind of killed them this year was not having a true big. Um, so I don't know if just kind of saw the writing on the wall that maybe minutes would be down again next year. But I think it did, like you said, definitely did kind of catch some people off guard just because you – um, expected her back for that COVID year after she was the longest tenured player on the team because she actually redshirted her freshman year um, in 2018-19 whenever they made that SEC championship game run. So, yeah, uh, definitely surprising news there. But And I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Neighbors, he's very um, – I mean, he's done it before with Slocum and Dungey in the past going in the, in the portal some with Sasha go forth too. But he's he's really big on just keeping his guys and trying to develop them. But I wouldn't be surprised. It's kind of an imminent need now that they're going to probably need to go out and find a big. The Basketball Podcast of Mid-America is brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Visit their showroom at 411 South Metro Parkway in Rogers or online at LandersToyotaNWA.com. On the other side of a short break, we'll get into the first transfer portal edition uh, for the Arkansas men's basketball team. Uh, this offseason and play some audio from a conversation that I had with Percy Allen. Um, he covers Washington Huskies basketball for the Seattle Times. I talked to him a couple of nights ago. I think it was Tuesday night. Um, he gave some really good insight, I thought, on, on Keon Minifield, a 6'1", 150, 160-pound guard, just depending on whatever site that you look at um, from Washington. So I, I think he's going to bring some pop and, and maybe some flair to, to Arkansas's backcourt next season. So stick with us for that. For all your automotive needs, shop Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers, where we guarantee you the best buying experience and best service after the sale in Arkansas. Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers. Wholehogsports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at wholehogsports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. Wholehogsports.com. Com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone 
and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hawk Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. All right, I wanted to start this segment by checking to see if any of you guys have been contacted by Arkansas out of the portal yet. Anybody? Show of hands. I feel like Arkansas has contacted – Andrew, I see your hand up. Arkansas has contacted a lot of guys, but to this point it's just – it's Keon Minifield. Um, and I think I think you're really going to learn a lot about Keon Minifield in this interview with with Percy Allen. He was uh, kind enough to to take some time out of his night – to talk with me about him, I, I emailed Percy. I found his email as he wrote the transfer story, you know, from the Washington side of things uh, at, at the Seattle Times. I found his email, sent him, a, sent him an email, and he got back with me pretty quick and told me to call him. He was putting a desk together, but he was still kind enough to, to you know, kind of give me a rundown on Keon. Um, really, really liked the kid. Said he's got, there's a lot of hair, and because he's a pretty thin kid, there's a lot of bones, but there's, you know, he's going to, he's going to play with some flair, really good kid can kind of get you into your sets offensively. Um, really good ball handler, tough to take it from him, but um, I'll just kind of let you guys listen to to what we got from, um, from, from Percy. But before that, is if you, any of you guys kind of looked into him or, or maybe what intrigues you about, about this, this first edition? I've just read your your fine story. Oh, thanks, Bob. That's a nice plug. Yeah, you can go to to Whole Hog right now and and find the analysis I wrote on Menafield late Tuesday. Um, that story's got a lot in it of what you'll hear from from Percy Allen. But I I also you know went to CBB Analytics and found some you know pretty in, intriguing numbers. I thought in terms of what he'll, he'll bring to the table or at least what he did in his one season at at UW. So. Um, shout out to CBB Analytics, by the way, helping me get a little bit of a better grasp on on some of these guys that, you know, are potential commits. And then, you know, even during the season, it's a site that I like to look at a lot. So, um, all right, without further ado, we'll throw it to the interview with with Percy Allen, who covers Washington basketball of the Seattle Times. He's a good kid. Um, really good kid. Uh, he's a fun kid, plays with a lot of flair. Um, yeah, so what type of kid is he? Yeah, he's a fantastic kid. Um, you know, just one, I can talk to him just about like, as a person, you know, um, you know, obviously he was just here for the one year, but got to know him a bit, you know, uh, um, you know, because any time that you're just a a standout player that, you know, that's kind of just what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I just, uh, you know, uh, like, right. Like all, all this stuff sounds like a cliche, but just a joy to be around, you, you, you know, like those types of things, uh, a sponge, he just, you know, kind of showed up. Um, and he was this like skinny kid, skinny. I mean, it's a lot of hair and, and, and a lot of bones, <laughs> and, uh, um, but just, uh, really good with the ball. Uh, you like, can't get it from him. And, um, uh, you know, you could tell early on in like the summer practices that, uh oh, I mean, there might be something here, you know, right? Like, you never really know, but it was like, all right, there might be something here. And, uh, and then when you like listen to, you know, the old heads kind of talk about them and they like really like them, 
And so he got his chance early, um, uh, in uh, you know early in the season, and his first start, you know, uh, he showed everything. I mean, like he like he didn't flinch, and uh, his second start didn't flinch, um, you know. And then uh, you know, uh, just being a freshman, things kind of caught up with him, um, and maybe he got on the scouting report. And uh, you know, didn't like put up the big twenty point games, um, and uh, went back to the bench, and that affected them some. But uh, sure enough, uh, you know, um, kind of stuck with it. Uh, Washington just really needed somebody who can not turn the ball over. I mean, that was really it. Like, like they just needed somebody who can, like, yeah, who can just kind of in- initiate offense. And uh, he was able to, like, perform that role. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. What average, like, 3.1 assists. Uh, turnovers weren't too bad. Um, and uh, But more than anything, was just able to, you know, get them into their offense. Um, and, and every now and then, he could go off, right? I mean, like, um, he was still, you know, a freshman learning the, the way. But every now and then, he could, like, go off offensively. Uh, you know, he was on the Pac-12 all-freshman team. Um, and so you would like to think that he'll get better. I mean, obviously with the Huskies, they were hoping that, that like, he would stay because they saw, a, like, a big, bright future for him. Um, I, you know Arkansas much better than I do. I know Eric Musselman a bit from his time in the Pac-12, so... Um, uh, you know, I think he knows how to use guards. Um, you know, the one thing with, you know, sort of, sort of Keon, you know, uh, you know, as he goes forward, look, um, that weight thing is an issue, you know? Um, you know, I mean, he's listed at, at 150. Mm-hmm. He, he might be 160. He was hoping to get to like 175, you know, by next year. You know, that weight thing is a serious deal there, you know. You know, and by that, just, you know, bigger guys can just back him down. Um, uh, he just hasn't shown yet to be much of a rebounder. And so uh, that's a deal there. Um, and I think defensively, um, not to say he's a, a liability, but he's going to have to figure that end out too, right? Um, so, um, you know, I think he's a solid on-ball defender, um, but he's going to have to get better, you know, like a lot of freshmen will. So, uh, but the one thing that he can do, though, is that you're not going to take the ball away from him. He, like, he can get to any spot he wants on the, on the floor. Uh, he's very quick. Quick dribble, quick first step, uh, you know, quick shot. Um, the three pointer is going to need some work, um, but uh, he can get into the lane. Um, and I would like to see him take more fouls, but that's easy for me to say because I don't have to take those hits. Now, with with Washington, it's it's a very pedestrian type of an offense, you know. Right. Um, not a whole lot of uh, schemes to it. Not a whole lot of com- you know complexity to it. Um, it's not layered in like that regard. It is it is it is basically your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn type of a deal. Lots of dribble drives, lots of isos. 
Um, you know, so uh, they don't necessarily work in concert with each other all the time. Um, and so within all of that, he was able to, you know, a, again, like you can see his stats, like what he had at least uh, six nights when like he scored over 20. And so like, you know, the like kid has the ability to just go off. I mean, just when he's feeling it, he can get into the lane and, and get pull ups. Um, and, and like, and like, and like, he's got a nice floater game, you know, which I think is, um, uh, a lot of these kids don't use enough nowadays, but a nice floater game that can get over, you know, uh, get that mid range shot over taller defenders. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, um, but he's young. You know, and I'm sure he'll add some more things to, you know, uh, you know, his bag of tricks where he would struggle is is like if he did press him, you know, and like, and, you know, in like that regard. But, you know, at the same time, though, um, as I said earlier, you know, just running a, you know, running an offense, running a set, you know, um, he's really good at that. It, he's he's just he's you know he he's just a really good ball handler in the like um half court offense and like he'll get you in into your set a schemes to it not a whole lot of com you know complexity to it um it's not layered in like that regard it is it is it is basically your turn my turn your turn my turn type of a deal lots of dribble drives lots of isos um you know, so uh, they don't necessarily work in concert with each other all the time. Um, and so within all of that, he was able to, you know, a, again, like you can see his stats, like what he had at least uh, six nights when like he scored over 20. And so like, you know, the like kid has the ability to just go off. I mean, just when he's feeling it, he can get into the lane and, and get pull ups um and and like and like and like he's got a nice floater game you know which i think is um uh, a lot of these kids don't use enough nowadays but a nice floater game that can get over you know uh get that mid-range shot over taller defenders um so uh yeah you know um but he's young you know, and I'm sure he'll add some more things to, you know, uh, you know, his bag of tricks where he would struggle is is like if he did press him, you know, and like, in, you know, in like that regard. But, you know, at the same time, though, um, as I said earlier, you know, just running a, you know, running an offense, running a set, you know, um, he's really good at that. It, he's, he's just, he's, you know, he, he's just a really good ball handler and the like um, half court offense. And like, he'll get you in, into your sets. Some other news that that's come out in the last week or so. Um, Bob, I remember we were in, Vegas and we were in the locker room you were talking to Nick as you were writing kind of your your advance your preview on the UConn game I think it was just about you know might be your last time right to get to to write about Nick right so you were over there kind of talking to him about his future and then I think he kind of came back at you was like how do you know I'm gonna go pro well he 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 did declare he was actually Good the first Arkansas. yeah <laughs> I guess there's your your writing on the wall 
Um, but Nick was the first Razorback to declare for the draft. Wasn't a surprise in the least. Um, I guess some other news, Ricky Council, he's going all in on the draft too. I think that's probably a pretty good decision for Ricky. You know, when I wrote his uh, his declares for the draft story, I looked at several different mock drafts, four or five different sites, and it's pretty consensus as he, he's a second round guy. How how do y'all think that Ricky helped himself this season? Because I remember, I mean, even throughout the whole season, even when Arkansas was struggling, Ricky would say, you know, this has been kind of a special year for him, and like he helped himself out a lot. Maybe doubled his maybe doubled his scoring average from his last year at Wichita State. And um, I think one of the things that he said and maybe that, that note that he posted when he declared for the draft was like, it's, it's kind of crazy. The difference one year can make. Yeah. I think just and Wichita is obviously a good program. They're not where they were before Greg Marshall, you know, fall Greg Marshall's fall from grace, but, but they were a team that got to a final, a program that got to a final four and was a number one seed and all that. But I think just Ricky, you look at, you know, like he had a big game against Kansas. He had a big game at Baylor. Uh, you know, he scored well against Oklahoma. He played pretty well in the SEC. So, you know, the AAC, all due respect, is not the SEC. And Arkansas also played a really tough non-conference schedule. So I think he was able to put his skill set out there against, I think Arkansas played 20 NCAA tournament. They played 20 games against NCAA tournament teams. So, and Ricky had a lot of good games and, you know, he obviously showed off his athleticism, you know, the dunks, um, really good free throw shoot clutch free throw. I think he had 29 or 32 free throws in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, he closed out the Kansas game for him, obviously. And that was impressive. Uh, you know, he showed he could be a playmaker. He played some point guard at times uh, when they needed it and he can rebound. He's got that good length for defense. So I just think if you draft Ricky Council, you're getting a heck of an athlete and a guy, you know, just, who can do a lot of different things. He's got to improve his perimeter shot probably, but I think he can do that. Um, I don't think you can question his work work ethic. I'm sure Eric and the coaching staff would give him high recommendations. So I agree with you. I think he's he's making a good call because I don't know if his stock will be higher than it is right now. Yeah, you got anything, Andrew? I guess just like what, what maybe intrigued you about Ricky's season. I mean, the jumper I think is probably still – that's something that I think a lot of teams are probably thinking that, you know, if we, we get this guy, we could probably, you know, work with him at it. I mean, mm -hmm. the mid-range jumper wasn't really his his specialty. Like, he could hit some really tough jumpers, really good at the free throw line. I thought especially in the tournament, like, he was almost automatic at the at the line. Um, that three-point shot's got to – it's something about the hand placement on the ball, just the, the way it looks coming off his hands probably needs a little bit of work. But uh, I think there's a lot to to like with this guy, especially ath athletically, um, you know, in the eyes of uh, – in the eyes, I guess, of, of some pro teams. Yeah, I think when you look at Ricky Council, he just loses his athleticism. And, and he might be a project, but I think if, if you get him into the right franchise in the right spot where you can develop him properly, uh, he could could really be a, a hit for a team that takes a chance on him in a second-round pick just because you, we mentioned before his elite athleticism, uh, and he does have potential to be – he's a tough shot maker, uh, but his shot is – it's funky. It, it doesn't look smooth, uh, but sometimes it goes, it goes in at a decent enough clip that there's potential there that if you can improve that, maybe it's form or something in the mechanics there, 
where he becomes a, a, a average to above average shot taker, then there's definitely a, a pro potential in his future. I really enjoyed talking to Ricky during the during that NCAA tournament run, and that that's maybe what I enjoyed most about it. Just going to Des Moines and Vegas, the locker rooms were open, and I remember I think it was the day before the UConn game. Ricky's just kind of sitting on a folding table where there's some snacks over there that I won't say whether or not I took some from that table, but he was just he was just super confident. He looked like he was in his element. Um, I don't know. He just, he seemed like from the beginning of the season, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought he was going to be more maybe of a defensive stopper than a scorer. But then, you know, you throw some big time injuries in the way and his, his role kind of changed. And especially when Nick went down, like he really had to assume a really big scoring role. And I thought he did that pretty well. Like the efficiency suffered sometimes, I think just because he felt the need to, you know, give the team a lift with his, his scoring, but you know, Ricky was great. I thought he was transparent with us a lot of times. I remember during maybe or, or after maybe the Georgia game, he told us that, you know, he was playing for, you know, a, playing with a heavy heart because one of his friends passed away. And then uh, it was really cool talking to him, too. If you remember late in that Kansas game, Arkansas down two with like a minute and a half left. And he hits that really tough turnaround jumper to tie the game. And I remember talking to him just about that play and the locker rooms being open is so good for this kind of stuff because he said normally he's more comfortable doing that move going to his left, but he said he kind of surprised himself a little bit, but he said the, um, he went right, turned around. I think can't remember which shoulder he turned over, but it was a really, really impressive shot. But, um, Bob, what are you going to kind of take away from, from Ricky's year here? I thought he was largely pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm with you. I love talking to Ricky, just a very mature guy, you know, a, a, a junior, but, he, he talked like a guy was 26 or 27 or something. And you're right. The locker rooms being open are great. Of course, I'm so old. Locker rooms were open all the time when I Yeah, came I guess up. it was weird a couple of years ago when they weren't open. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, but that was, yeah, you get so much better stuff. I remember, yeah, you're talking to Nick uh, the day before the UConn game, um, kind of doing a story about how he'd been struggling offensively. And I remember Ricky had the, the clincher quote for me anyway. He said, just let the kid hoop. You know, like he's under a lot of pressure, you know, just let the kid hoop. I thought, well, that was great. I don't know if you get that in a press conference setting, you know. Um, some guys are really good in the press conferences. Also, you don't, you know, it doesn't go out on video everywhere. You, you know, I, there was a group of three or four of us talking to him. But, yeah, I really like Ricky. I thought he was a great pickup. I think he was even better than people expected. Obviously, a good player at Wichita. He, you know, he, he trans, he made the transformation from being a, a sixth man to a starter. He, he came off the bench a few games, but he was he played 34 minutes a game. I mean, he was playing heavy duty minutes in, in one of the best conferences in the country against one of the best schedules in the country. And so I thought he I thought he had a great year. I know he probably could have, like we say, he could have hit more jump shots, whatever. Had a couple games where he struggled, but to me, he was really really consistent. Especially when Nick went down and Trevor went down, Ricky picked up a heavy load, and I I just thought he was a great pickup for Arkansas. I think he's going to wind up being an example that Arkansas's coaching staff can use for these transfers from like, you know, schools that come from a conference like the American, like you could come here and, you know, if you, you do what we say and you follow this development plan, we're going to give you freedom. And, you know, as long as you can, you know, do X, Y, and Z, we're going to make you, you know, into a player that, you know, some of these pro teams are going to like, and, you know, at least, um, 
you know, lift their their pro prospects. Speaking of that, Devo declared for the NBA draft late Friday night. <laughs> I think it was like almost, I think it was maybe a quarter till 10. I'd been waiting on it all year. I was about to shut my eyes. I was in the recliner watching TV, and then I got the notification that he declared. Um, he's maintaining his college eligibility. So I think it's it's interesting. I kind of expect him to be back just because I don't see him on the mock drafts and things like that. Um, but I think that Kansas game, man, I think that that got him at least on a few people's radar. I remember Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN put out a tweet about him, just the 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 shot creation and the defensive rebounding and then, you know, just kind of the pace and the kind of the herky-jerky style that he plays with. It's kind of intriguing for sure. Um, we'll obviously eventually see what he winds up doing. But, um, yeah, Devo declared. And then I think obviously – kind of the same vein as as Nick Smith. AB hasn't declared yet. Anthony Black has not put anything out yet, but I think there is a less than 0% chance that he comes back. There's just there's just I don't think there's any reason for him to. And then the I guess the last one that we're maybe waiting on is Jordan Walsh, right? Like he's he came in preseason. You know, he was probably a projected late first round, early second round guy. Season didn't probably go exactly how he maybe expected it to, but he did have some he had some low moments, but I think there were some moments in the NCAA tournament and then, you know, in some of Arkansas's bigger wins where he he really showed the value that he has. I remember after the UConn game, I was like, did you learn anything about yourself throughout this whole season? And he was like, I guess if you're basketball minded, you know, you can you can kind of see that, you know, I'm not going to score 15, 20, 30 points a game, but my plus minus is going to be really good. I'm going to help a team win. Uh, I think he'll be a guy that tests the draft waters. Maybe if, if I had to guess, I would say that he comes back. If he comes back, Devo comes back, and they add maybe you know a couple guys from the portal. I think that I think Arkansas has got a chance to be pretty solid uh, next season, no doubt about it. Um, Want to thank you guys again for for listening in today. I think the plan is to probably keep recording during the off season, kind of on an as needed basis, and you know when when big moves roster wise happen. Um, really really intrigued to see how eric and, and his coaching staff keep building this roster um i think their success in the portal the last few off seasons got people really excited to just see what the makeup of, of next year's roster is going to look like um but yeah we'll, we'll come back you know at the, gonna shoot for next week we'll see if something happens i would imagine something happens between now and and next week so again thank you guys for listening uh for andrew joseph and ethan westerman and bob holt i'm scotty borderline and we'll holler at you next time on the basketball podcast of mid-america the proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com look for our latest podcasts on apple spotify or your favorite podcast store And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.